The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Tally and Damien. Hey guys, welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your host, I'm Tally006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this season premiere? Season two, baby. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm pumped to start season two. I'm pumped for this new format. And um, let's just, let's get right into it. it. It was pretty cool. I got the Facebook memory this week. Uh, the first YouTube episode goes out. Keeping it kayfabe. Uh, for any of you who were around back then, we appreciate you. And uh, yeah, it was cool to go back and just watch a little bit and just see where we came, how far we've come. It was, it was, it was cool. I think it was a, a, we came a long way. Oh, definitely. Definitely. We hope the viewers think so too, or the listeners, I guess now. Yeah. We like feedback too. So tell us what's up. Yeah. You know where to catch us at impromptu Jeff at impromptu Damien tally double six, wherever you want to find us. We're there. We're somewhere. Uh, with that being said, we got a good show for you today. Uh, you know, we're talking AEW dynamite this week. We have updated results of round two from the Japanese side of uh, the World Championship Eliminator Tournament. Also, a couple more round one matches from the um, from the U.S. side that we got to see on Monday. Um, and then, you know, of course, we got a couple items of Breaking Kayfabe. And uh, our new segment, essentially, is uh, This Week on Impact. So we'll talk a little bit about AEW's involvement on Impact. but. Like you said, let's get this show on the road. Season two, baby. Here we go. So this week, AEW had two pretty big, no pun intended, announcements. Uh, we heard some rumblings and rumors on Monday. I, th- I believe the news came out Tuesday. We were going to find out more information on Wednesday. Um, The first item on the docket, though, is um, we talked about this briefly a few months ago. Like, it's still 2020, I believe. But uh, AEW uh, trademarking the name Elevation, we didn't really know what or how they were going to use it. But we, we know now AEW Dark Elevation uh, announced earlier this week, it's going to be a show on YouTube uh, per, on Mondays, 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, f- other than that, do we know any more about what this show is actually going to be content-wise? Um, in the very little research that I've done, there wasn't really a format or anything that I saw. And I'm not even sure when it's going to start. But I don't know. What do you think about this name? Well, the name Elevation, it, it just screams to me enhancement. I think I think now that the the you know the the C word, the COVID stuff 
it is starting to die down. Restrictions are starting to be lifted more and more across North America. Um, I think we're going to see AEW Dark on Tuesdays get back to where it was, where, you know, it's it's roster talent, lower to mid card guys working with mid to upper, you know, main event guys in these dark matches, these more traditional dark matches. And maybe we see all these independent, you know, workers that we've seen in the past, unsigned talent, especially more guys. I think we're going to more guys and girls, I should say, coming up from the nightmare factory. This is going to be elevation. That's my, you know, thought on it. I I think that's the way to do it. I, I think Tony, Tony has done a great thing for a lot of the independent wrestlers that aren't able to work or that weren't able to work uh, during the pandemic. He gave them a place to, to, to work and get their names out there. Some of these people are, are getting more recognition uh, this past year than they had ever had in, in years and years of, of, of independence. So I, I really think he wants to keep that, you know, that, um, possible for these guys and girls so i think that's what elevation is going to be yeah i just thought it was weird that they were using the word dark in there because uh because the whole aw dark was dark matches are these really going to be dark matches or are they going to be something that is maybe more filmed at daily's place if that kind of thing continues on I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that they kept the word dark in there. But uh, I agree with what you're saying about, you know, Tony Khan being a good guy and and wanting to give these guys a chance. And I think that's excellent. And, I mean, maybe we should just take a moment here to, to talk about Tony Khan. Uh, I got an alert on my phone about an hour ago that said that Tony Khan has won promoter of the year. Wow. Um, I can't remember what it was, what the organization was, but uh, yeah, he beat out Vince McMahon and Dana White for that award. So right on getting some hardware. That's, that's really, that's really big. That is really, really big. And, and just even having Dana White in that conversation will open up the name Tony Khan to a lot, like a different, set of viewers and they're like, you know, who's this Tony Khan guy and why is he winning this award? Oh, he's the one running this new wrestling promotion. Oh, well, let's check that out. That's, that's pretty cool. I I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, the other big news coming out of AEW is we have a new hashtag all elite signing. Um, the nose broke, uh, Tuesday, as I said, long-term deal, the bit, oh, I can't say it. Whoa, whoa, you can't say that. You can't say that on this show. Sorry, sorry. Paul White has signed with AEW, another legend of the business, uh, long-term deal signed to do commentary, uh, on, on AEW Dark Elevation and, uh. Uh, I I believe I read that he is slated to also be a performer. So that'll be interesting to see how they um, 
are going to incorporate Paul White into the fray. This is this is huge. This is big news. This uh, you know, this graphic that they have when when guys go all elite, there's a lot of fakes out there as well. And when you sent this to me, I was examining it with a with a magnifying glass. That's why I didn't think it was real. <laughs> That's why I made sure to send it from the the all elite official Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I did, but I didn't even see that at, at first. Right. Because well, I was just like in awe. Yeah, we see so <laughs> many of them. It, it's true. It's true. Um, so, yeah, huge news. Paul White uh, going back to his, I believe that's his real name, if anything. I know he was Paul White when he came into uh, WWE. Uh, I noticed they're spelling it different, if I remember correctly. I think when he was in WWE, he, act, he it was actually spelled white, like the color. But here we have oh, okay. a, a different spelling. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that. He wasn't he wasn't Paul White for very long when it came to WWE. He was the big show almost from the start. But yeah, huge news. I can't wait to see how he's going to do. do. Do you remember ever seeing him do commentary on Vanilla Brand? No. No, I don't. I don't yeah, know if he I'm, ever came down. I'm and, just and wondering how he's going to desk. Do. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. He's a, he's a great talker. Like when he does interviews, okay. when he does interviews and stuff like that, and he's not so much the character of, you know, the large uh, event. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, he's, he's very articulate and, and he talks really well and I think he'll do good, uh, getting to work with Tony Schiavone, I think will, uh, be good for him to, you know, keep in line and, and whatnot and keep on track. So I think it'll be a good team. I'm excited to see whenever this AEW dark elevation starts. And like we said, we're probably going to see him in the ring. <laughs> All right, let's get right into the new segment this uh, this upcoming season, this week in Impact. All right, this week on Impact, nothing really happened, but we did get another paid advertisement from Tony Khan and and, and the crew. Uh, this this is probably the best one yet. I, I gotta, I gotta say, Tony Khan is really leaning into this character, and we've mentioned it before. As much as he never wanted to be an on-camera character, at least in AEW, we're seeing it here on Impact, and and I'm liking it more and more as it grows. Um, what'd you think of this spot on Impact this week? I yeah, it was fantastic, and I I found myself just kind of with my mouth wide open just going am i hearing what i'm hearing like how this has got to be going somewhere that they're allowing tony khan and now he's bringing you know performers with him and they are just crapping on the impact product like the impact fans must just be so irritated by this one segment of the show um i'd love to hear your analysis on like where you think 
you know, this is headed. Uh, Tony Khan is outright saying that that AW putting these paid ads here are like it's charity work. It, it's like it's the Big Brother program, and and they're helping out like a you know a, a person in need kind of thing. Um, how are they getting away with it? Is, is this leading to something? Uh, what what's your thoughts? It definitely has to go somewhere. I don't think it it would be silly for Don and Scott Demore to to allow this on their show. It, it's different. It's different if they're doing it on their show and they're talking a bit of smack. We saw that all the time during the Monday Night Wars. We've seen a, a scaled down version of it during these Wednesday Night Wars uh, from both from from both sides. But this is AEW showing up on impact television and absolutely burying the impact product. It's something we've absolutely have never seen before. And it's, it's, it's really quite wild when, when you think about it, but I think it's definitely leading somewhere. Uh, I'm, I'm recalling an idea that I had, I don't know how long ago it was, but a super show of some sort, a Survivor Series-esque where we're going to have a brand versus brand competition, champion versus champion, you know, tag team champs versus tag team champs, uh, perhaps a traditional 5v5 elimination match of some sort, something that will entail brand superiority. And I got to feel like just the fact that AEW is pressing so hard on just absolutely burying impact i think impact's gonna end up winning it they're gonna come out on top it's the only thing that makes sense to me but yeah yeah they are they are burning this one slow yeah i like how far does this go back these paid advertisements like we're into months now right uh full gear yeah. Ever since Kenny won the championship, Don Callis took him to Impact. So it's right, been right. November since November. Man, time flies. Yeah, I think it would be cool if they had like separate belts for this this uh championship you're talking about. Like I don't know do you, do you think it will work if AW belt is you know sitting in AAA for 9 months? I guess that's how it works right now, right? It's literally how it's working right now because Kenny is the triple A. I can't say the rest, but uh, he is the heavyweight champion of triple A and it's sitting in North Carolina. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. I like it though. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I'll keep tuning into Impact uh impacts youtube page to see what tony khan has has to say every week <laughs> but other than that not not much new coming out of impact this week all right let's get right into it aw dynamite dude 
We're 15 minutes into the podcast and we're already talking about Wednesday Night Dynamite live from Daly's Place, February 24th, 2021. Um, what'd you think of this show this week? I thought this was a, a pretty good show and I, I think why that is, is it's mostly matches. Like there was not a lot of segments. Um, I left out um you know from what we're going to talk about here some of those you know little video packages like there is one for Shaq and jade again i don't even think i was getting supper when that went on so i didn't even see it the first time uh but the matches here really good the 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 post-match stuff the story all of that really good it's getting me totally pumped for revolution and uh that's what a show you know, like this, we're two weeks away now. That's that's what it needs to do. Uh, I saw, so it would have been Tuesday night that we get kind of the official card for Wednesday. Usually, it's usually from those paid advertisements on Impact. And I saw that, again, there was going to be like five or six matches. And I'm like, man, are they ever pressing this new format and, and like you said like i agree with you i i'm loving it the the wrestling you get that little bit after the matches to kind of progress the stories it's not all interviews all the time like we had seen for for most of the later half of 2020 um so yeah i think this new format's really good it's really working this was a terrific show we had really awesome matches i don't think there was really any kind of sleepers of a match or a duds of a match. So that's really awesome to see. And uh, yeah, like you said, we had that quick little recap from, from Shaq and Jade and Cody and, and red velvet. Uh, my only concern is that this was such a good lead in to revolution. This should have been the go home show in a way like this. This really has me hyped for a revolution where the last few go home shows leading into full gear and you know back in September to all out those go home shows were were actually quite disappointing so i i hope they keep the momentum i hope they keep this format i hope they keep the fire and we get a really even better go home show next week it's looking to be that way but i mean we say that all the time and then we get disappointed so it'll be interesting to see how they perform next week but this week was awesome. Yeah, I, f- I feel like next week's show might be segment heavy. And then we have the, what is it? Public service announcement. Some, whatever MJF and Jericho are doing, like yeah. that usually just kind of halts the show. But you never know. Um, it, it might come off good. I, I, I would like to see show just like this um you know i'd like to see ah never mind i don't want to ruin this show but (laughs) as we go through we'll talk about it i I almost gave it all up right there (laughs) (laughs) all right well with that being said let's get right into the show again as always we start off with a match uh we have the hollywood hunk ryan nemeth taking on former aew champion john moxley I think this is an an interesting matchup. Again, Ryan Nemeth essentially still kind of out of nowhere getting a shot against the former champ. I think this is um this is a 
a testament to maybe this guy's work ethic and, and, and skill set. I don't know where he's been hiding all this time that we're only hearing about him now, but they believe in this guy. And I think he worked really, really well with John Moxley for what this match was, was set up to be. Uh, I think it fit really well. Um, it was a solid, solid two minutes of a match, but it was good. Yeah. And I kind of got into this match a little bit late and when I was writing up the plan for the show, I was like, this had to have been a squash match. And then I rewatched it and like John sells for Orion here. Like it was not really a squash match. It was, you know, everybody had kind of their offense and then we get the paradigm shift at the end and, and and all is done this match is really just a way to start the show with a match and really this whole part of the show was about the end here and and john moxley cutting a promo but uh yeah i think this is uh nemeth's best work that that we've seen so far yeah like he, like you mentioned he really got he got to get some offense in um Moxley absolutely selling for him made him look really good for that little bit but then you know the 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 switch flips um all of a sudden he's he's sleeping after a paradigm shift one two three it it was a good it was like a perfect squash match I, I feel like um if you even want to call it that but uh you know it it did it did its it did its purpose um setting up this really awesome promo from John Moxley which I mean, I'm. It's starting to sound like a broken record at this point, but this guy just absolutely annihilates on the mic. I was so entranced listening to this guy talk, and it was the subject matter of his promo that really gets you emotionally invested because he's really genuinely speaking from the heart. You know, the, just using the words, "I'm addicted to this stuff. I'm addicted to being in the ring like that." Like, holy man, was I ever hyped up after listening to this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I love the chair. Bringing the chair in makes it very personal. And, and you you get drawn into that. And the way that the whole promo starts off soft and then kind of escalates. He stands up. He's almost yelling at this point. Um, The other thing about this is I if you watch this again, you really get this sense that we, after revolution, we're not going to see John Moxley for a while. Um, and if, if you didn't catch that, go, go back and listen to it. I, I really feel like we already know what's going to happen in this match. And then, you know, uh, he's got some other commitments, you know, his wife's going to have a baby and all that. We're not going to see John Moxley for a while. And I think, I think that's going to be good. Cause when he returns, man, it's going to be awesome. I guess I've just given away my pick <laughs> for revolution. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, you're 100% right here. This promo does leave you. It's almost a spoiler. Mind you, there are many, there's much more evidence to back up 
you know the the claim of, of what you're saying here there's a lot of factors uh involving John Moxley right now that can lead him to being away from from the show for a while so you know that that's I don't even know what I'm trying to say here like that that part's clear in a way but uh he says this all in such a way that he's giving you the end he's giving you the spoiler how this match is going to go but you still want to watch it and i think that um has to be partially credited to having this gimmick match of the exploding barbed wire match maybe that's part of the reason why to have this gimmick is that we are literally we know john's not going to be around for a while he's having a kid he's got other championships to defend mind you he's defending that championship right now as we speak if not already over by the time we're recording this um but you know he has other obligations and he, like i said he's having a kid so we know he's not going to be around for a while but let's give the fans something to to leave them you know wanting more something epic to show up for exploding barbed wire match it's the way to go it all makes sense yeah yeah and that just shows the brilliance of john moxie where you can outright say i'm gonna lose this match but hey come by the pay-per-view anyways you know <laughs> and we're gonna do it <laughs> i'm leaving it all in the ring my blood sweat and tears and yeah i can't wait to see this it's gonna be it's gonna be epic uh from there we get right into uh, a tag team matchup announced last week we're getting absolute ricky starks and the machine brian cage team taz going up against varsity blondes uh griff garrison and brian pilm jr uh this was a really this was a really good match even though it was fairly one-sided too i think i i gotta help it feel like maybe tony khan and maybe taz is finally hearing what i'm saying you know calling them a bunch of a bunch of crybaby bitches and, and and whatever else I've been saying about Team Taz, but this match is really designed to show what Team Taz can and will do to the rest of the roster. Um, I really don't remember Varsity Blondes getting much offense into this match. It, it was it was all Ricky and, and Cage through the majority of this match. Yeah, this one was actually a, a longer match than I thought it would be. Um, Griff Garrison had his, you know, his moment where he's, you know, fired up and whatever. But for the most part, this was, this was all about FTW. So, um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a really good showing by everyone here. Starks had a, I, I don't want to say a rare good match, but a rare time where I wasn't thinking like, you know, what uh, just just be the valet and it's all going to work out well. I thought Ricky did really, really well in this match. Uh, Pillman, I mean, it's hard not to watch this guy, even when he's getting pummeled. It's just, it's brilliant. I can't wait till this guy uh, really breaks out. But, uh, you know, this was a pretty long match to get to the the post-match where all the action happened and, and, and a lot happened. Like, it wasn't just... Uh, <laughs> You know, we get a couple of minutes uh, after the match. This was uh, its kind of own segment here at the end. Uh, tell us uh, your thoughts on 
on the end, I should also mention Starks and Cage do do win this match. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Starks and Cage did. I, I was just trying to think here. Did they do um, a variation of the drill claw? Or was it like a tandem drill claw? Do you remember? Or was it just Cage alone doing it? I, feel I like think they, it was just Cage. Oh, I feel like they, they need to do a tandem drill claw, I think. Have Starks up okay. on the ropes and, and, and kind of help the spike. I think that'd be really cool. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, drill claw, one, two, three. Team Taz with the win. Um, the, lights, the lights go out. And, I mean, we're expecting Sting here, but uh, we get a video coming up on the big screen. Uh, there's a car driving. It's dragging the body bag, obviously referencing Team Taz's attack on Darby Allen a few weeks ago. We get a real tight shot of, um, I mean, it, it, it's a it, it's a scorpion on on a glove. We're we're assuming this is Sting, um, doing uh doing a good job of like implying that. Obviously, he wasn't there. <laughs> I feel like this was all pre-shot Darby style, but uh, we need to make that connection. We never do see Sting driving the car, but I thought it was cool symbolism, and uh, you know. They open up. They open up the body bag, and, and and there's Darby Allen with the with the belt, smiling. And I I absolutely love this imagery because we mentioned it when we talked about when Team Taz was dragging Darby through the body, uh, in the body bag through the parking lot. I'm like, this is this guy does this stuff for fun. You, you're you're really not showing us. You know, it was kind of like, at least you did something, but you, you're really not showing us anything we haven't seen already. Darby does this for fun. And I like that they kind of use that. And Darby comes out of the body bag holding the TNT championship, smiling like, you guys don't even know. And then you think that's that's all we're going to get to see. But then the music hits. We see the crow up on the screen. The snow starts flying in. Enter Sting. What do you think about how this all transitioned? I, I thought it was a cool way to 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 bring, you know, Darby in is uh, you know, let's see the continuation of the video. We're now seeing Sting who, you know, they're trying to make uh, in this video that he was part of it even though he really wasn't. Uh and he's dragging the body bag behind him. We're expecting that we're we're gonna see Darby come out of this uh but what we do see is a is a is a beaten up hook taz's son and taz is flipping out on commentary and uh i was uh pretty surprised by this i i did not i did not expect it although it sure does make a lot of sense well what'd you think about hook in the bag it i mean i'm with you i absolutely did not see that coming I, I think I even said it out loud. I'm like, well, yeah, Darby's in there, obviously. But yeah, hooking the body bag, kids selling pretty good. I th I think what makes this is is Taz on commentary. I mean, he's he's one of the best crybaby bitches in the in the business right now. So of course he absolutely kills it when you know he sees his son beat up and 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 dragged around in a body bag. He sells it pretty good. Um, from there. There's the gesture up to the rafters and, and in comes Darby on the zip line. Very Sting-esque, you know, 1996, 97. 
from the rafters, if you will. I thought this was a really cool image. Um, he lands in the ring, he gets the couple skateboard shots, which I think was important, which we see kind of transfer. It Sting starting to get in the ring. The camera can can pan away. Darby can get out of the harness. I thought that was really cleanly done. We've seen spots like this before where, it, and even with Sting coming down from the rafters and then they can't get him out of the harness. So they did a good job of diverting the TV audience away from Darby coming out because all of a sudden he's free. It's an absolute beatdown. Sting and Darby getting one up on, on, on Cage and Starks. I thought this was an awesome segment. I think this is this is a better late than never kind of situation because they've been really slow burning this, this feud, but we're finally getting into the meat and potatoes of it. I I loved, I loved this segment. Right. And this is kind of what I was talking about earlier about this next week's show is I think we need one more week where maybe FTW gets one back on sting and Darby. Um, I think that's just really going to make this feud super strong. The uh, For me, the biggest part of this entire match segment is we are seeing Sting do moves. We get a, a Stinger splash. We get the, the Scorpion death drop. And earlier this week in the news came out that Sting has been cleared to wrestle. So this... This is a done deal. I feel like this is happening. There isn't going to be any sort of, you know, attack next week where, oh, the match can't go on kind of thing. Um, I'm super pumped for this one. Yeah. Super exciting. Super exciting. Uh, can't wait to see Sting back in the ring, like you mentioned. Awesome. Awesome stuff that we got to see a big Stinger splash. I popped hard. Got the Scorpion death drop. Popped hard. Super pumped. I'm finally really excited about this, this storyline. From there, we get into a quick segment, uh, an earlier in the day type segment. Tony Schiavone sitting down interviewing Miro and the newlyweds Kip Sabian Penelope Ford. This was a quick little segment. We got a kind of a kind of a recap from from Beach Break and the wedding, um, which happened about a month ago. And and really there is a little bit of a promo there from, from Miro, but before he can really get into anything and, and talking about anything of any substance, Tony's handed a note and he reads it out. Will you wrestle us at revolution? Yes. No, maybe circle one X O X O. Um, and then I think, I think, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, did, I, I don't even remember, did they, did they actually say that this is actually Orange Cassidy and Best Friends? I know we find out later in the night that th- that is, in fact, the case. The match is made for Revolution. But I love that Miro's reaction to this is, is, is re- like, I really like this reaction. He gets super mad. He, like, crumples up the paper. He puts it in his mouth. He like, spits it out at Tony. You know, I, I just... I like when Miro is Rusev, if I can say that. When he's just angry all the time. I don't like I don't like fun Miro. I don't like gamer Miro. I want angry Miro all the time. So I thought this was a really cool moment. Uh, to answer your question, when the note is handed to Tony, the, there is no indication that it's from 
from Chucky and Orange Cassidy. Um, it's not when Mir- until Miro gets the note that he there's I guess the assumption that it's it's from them because it's childish and who else right. would do you know this this note that you would typically associate with like elementary you know do you like me circle one of these kinds of ideas um i totally agree with you about miro uh, i like i like uh, vanilla brand miro better than what he's currently been doing um i don't know i also think i like miro by himself I I'd like to see Kip go back to what he was doing before. I'd like Miro to be maybe be on, on his own or maybe even have a valet. Um I I don't know don't have a suggestion. I just kind of thought of that off the cuff, but you know, give him somebody just not Kip. Right. I think Kip needs to go back to what he was before, but um yeah, I'm thinking this is probably going to be a uh, pre-show match. I, I I'm thinking this it's not going to be on the actual pay-per-view itself. What do you think? Uh, that's probably a good assumption. This would be a really a really solid warm-up kickoff type match for sure. Buy-in, I guess. I, w- I was trying to think of the name. It, yeah, the buy-in. It, it, it it's not going to be a bad match. It'll be it'll be good. Uh, so yeah, super excited about this one too. I, I like what you're saying about. Splitting these guys up. I, I much more enjoyed Kip when he was by himself. Well, I shouldn't say that. I enjoyed Kip when he was with that who could not be named. But, um, you know, when when all that kind of happened and he was forced on his own, he was still doing really well for himself. But they just really wanted to him to have like a third bodyguard style guy. Because Kip is a smaller guy. So kind of understand the meaning but i mean he was doing fine on his own for that little while and yeah miro alone get him just get him a fiery uh you know a fiery uh woman to to come out to the ring and really hype him up much like lana used to do for him like that that was just a i mean literally a marriage you know made in made in heaven if you will um what about vicky Miro and Vicky? Perhaps. What about Zelina Vega? Oh. Yeah. I I think she's looking for work. I heard that somewhere. So, But but isn't her husband looking for work too? I mean. Wink, wink, nudge, (laughs) nudge. It's, It's happening. I I don't I mean we 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 talk about rumors all the time. It that this one's got to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. All right, moving on, we get another matchup. Um, this was this one was pretty exciting. Uh, Brandon Cutler making his year long weighted return to AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite as he takes on Inner Circles Jake Hager. Um, this was a really solid match. I enjoyed this one. Uh, Cutler's come a long way. A, a long, long way since those first few weeks of Dynamite that we were seeing him, you know, before Dark was even a thing. We got to see Cutler in a few matches. He was really shaky. 
I'm pretty sure he broke his own leg in one of his first matches trying to do, he was just a little too excited. If you guys remember, um, he's come a long way. All that work on dark has been really, really good for him. And, uh, he's a, he's a solid competitor now. Um, and you know, he kind of takes it to Jake here for a little while, but essentially Jake completely overpowers him. Uh, I think this match works to set up, you know, what we're going to see after the match. Uh, the only thing I can't wrap my head around is how this tied into BTE this week. And essentially the young bucks just absolutely throwing Cutler to the dogs here being inner circle. Yeah. I'm having a hard time figuring that one out as well. And maybe they just didn't do a good enough job telling the story or, you know, quite possibly as well. Maybe I'm just not getting it. I, I thought that Brandy Culler did really well in this match as well. And I, I want to say the what I'm thinking the reason was is he took his time. And whether that was a bit of Jake's influence or maybe he's been told that he just needs to take a few seconds in between stuff and you'll make less mistakes... Yeah, this was a great just big guy match. And um, again, it, it wasn't like this This first match of the night where it was two minutes. These guys wrestled for, um, you know, probably almost a solid eight-ish kind of minutes, six to eight minutes. And um, it, it's really, again, about what happens at the end. But Jake... Hager taking this one, winning it with a a clothesline of all <laughs> of all moves. Well, I mean, that yeah, he landed a pretty big power slam kind of variation just before that. But yeah, I wonder I wonder if um if Jake's not gonna take on a sort of JBL role. We don't really have that kind of just absolute powerhouse uh you know, we, we heard, we'll, we'll hear a little later in the next match, uh, Tony referencing Stan Hansen. You know, that was just kind of the big burly guy and he could literally finish a match with the clothesline. Um, we have a lot of bodies like that, but everybody's so athletic nowadays that, you know, they got to do the big fancy moves to, to, to be flashy. I think Jake's a, a really solid choice to maybe go back to that just absolute bruiser. I mean, we had it with um, Brody Lee. Brody Lee had the the clothesline, you know, so maybe we just, who's next in line to kind of take that role? I think Jake's a good pick. So maybe that's yeah, the yeah. introduction to that. But let's talk about what happened afterward. It didn't, it didn't take too long for um, the majority of Inner Circle to join Jake in the ring. As they uh, start laying a beating down to Brandon Cutler, we got Proud and Powerful and Wardlow out there stomping on him. Uh, also, very, very quickly, the Young Bucks out for the rescue. Uh, we got a big double super kick on Proud and Powerful. Um, we get the almost double super kick on Jake, but he sees it coming, gets out of the way. Uh, I thought this was a really cool little spot. Young Bucks grab the mic. They're not waiting for revolution. MJF, Chris Jericho, let's do this now. Get your asses out here. And I mean, I got to be honest, that's not very Christian AF. Yeah, absolutely not. 
And and when all this went down, I, I something about this didn't feel right to me. And I I didn't get it until it was too late. And and the what felt funny was that there was no Jericho or MGF here. They they say here comes inner circle and it it didn't even register in my brain that you know the top guys are are not even there, which should have just already told me what's gonna happen here. But you know, I this is my first time watching wrestling today, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I fell for it, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, Jericho and MGF are going to come out, and they're going to wrestle, but that's not what we got here. No, for sure, and uh, I mean, I get it. I I can't really remember if, if I uh, noticed it or not, but I think that's just an testament to how well this, this segment flowed that you do totally kind of shrug it off that Jericho and MJF aren't there. But, you know, as they're rating, as they're calling out MJF and Jericho, Jericho and MJF show up on the big screen. And uh, this was very, very Jericho-esque. I, I really like this, this segment. You know, just, oh, you, you wanted us out there? Are, are, you know, is that what you wanted, huh? You know, that kind of Jericho stuff. So that was really cool. And uh, we had, it's been a while since we've seen that Jericho because he's been, you know, playing Papa Jericho in this whole Sammy MJF, you know, spat, if you will. So it's good to see kind of pure heel Jericho back. And, um, you know, essentially the premise of the spot is that they have Papa Buck in custody, we'll say. And I mean, showing color, obviously fake, but you know, the guy's not a legit performer. So I, 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 I seen on, I seen, I seen on, I seen on Russell talk that he wanted to gig. He wanted the blade. Th these oh, are the, really? these are the reports coming out of AEW, Brad Alonzo covering it, asking the questions. But uh, yeah, Papa Bug wanted to get, uh, Papa Buck wanted to gig. They wouldn't let him. They went with the fake blood. So it, you know, like they said on Russell Talk's YouTube video, if if you want to complain about the the fake blood, just know that the one complaining the most was the one covered in it. So you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I, I thought this the imagery of it all worked. You know, they they obviously attacked Papa Buck beforehand. He's already bloodied up. They attack him some more. The the visual of Papa Buck slamming into the back of the truck where, you know, the boys' pictures are, and he's covering their faces in blood. I just like how he he absolutely aimed for their faces. So, you know, it looked like Nick and Nick and Matt were actually bleeding from from the nose and stuff like that. They did it perfect. I I would I would love to know if this was a one shot, like take, you know, one take Jake style a uh, spot because it, it did just kind of happen so perfectly uh i love this spot it, it was awesome i'm again more pumped up for this matchup at revolution i thought papa buck did uh an excellent job in this um i i think it actually works out better that he had the fake blood because he was so over the top with the selling that with the fake blood it just made it 
you know, that much better. I think if he actually gigged and, and then was selling like that, it, it might not come off as well, but yeah, I'm loving this. I'm like the young bucks need a valet. Get Papa Buck in there. Let's see him on a regular basis. Hashtag all, all elite. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, f- you know, from there, just to end off the um, uh, end off the segment, we go to commercial break as the Young Bucks, you know, chase down uh, MJF and Jericho. We go to commercial break. When we come back, we see Papa Buck being loaded into the ambulance. Um, we see the Good Brothers show up. And I find I found it odd that the Good Brothers get into the ambulance. Nick gets into the ambulance, but Matt does not. And he is still kind of fired up, rightfully so, pacing back and forth. It looks like he's going to get, you know, he's got business to tend to, but I don't remember ever seeing anything happen out of that. Yeah, I thought it was weird, too. Um I guess they just wanted to get the Good Brothers on TV. Um, a bit weird, a bit weird to me. But I, I guess if they're all family, then Papa Bucks pop out everybody. And um, yeah, I totally expected to see Matt again at some point in the show. But spoiler, we we don't see him again for the for the rest of the show. So yeah, it makes me wonder if next week on the go home show, we don't see some, you know, footage from last week style things where maybe, uh, Matt barges into the inner circle dressing room and, and kind of raises hell on his own. Maybe we'll see that. Who knows? Yeah. Good idea. Either way. Super pumped for revolution. Again, another, another match. Just can't wait to see. Uh, this brings us into the next matchup of the night. Isaiah Cassidy going one-on-one with hangman, Adam page. Again, this is another another build-up kind of match for this big money match against Matt Hardy and Adam Page. I I don't think I've ever really said this before, but I mean, another just awesome match. We we really didn't have any kind of dud matches, as I said earlier in the show. This is this was a great match. This was one of the longer matches of the night. Um, we got a lot of uh, you know, we got a lot of story progression during the match as. Matt Hardy being outside of the ring, getting involved, attacking uh, Hangman while TH2 has Aubrey distracted. Um, You know, TH2 being out there with Matt Hardy, kind of playing off of what we saw in BTE earlier in the week. You know, I I think this Matt Hardy brand is is starting to grow. I think TH2 could work with them. They're, They're heel guys. I don't mind that. And then we get Silver and Reynolds coming out to to kind of back up Hangman. Like there was a lot going on in this match outside of the wrestling itself. But it didn't take away from the wrestling itself anyways because the match was so long that we still got lots of wrestling. I don't know, this whole this whole segment was just awesome to me. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with Isaiah Cassidy in this match. Um probably said on the show before that Isaiah really lacks in his wrestling with the strength. Uh, he he just doesn't look strong out there. But I thought he did a really good job in this match. A lot of great spots with Hangman. They both worked really, really well together. 
And yeah, like you say, even though there was a lot going on in this match, they did it right. Everything was focused on what it needed to, to be focused on. The cameras were all in the right spots, especially during that Matt Hardy uh, attacking Hangman. The, the camera's in perfect position for us to see TH2 in the background and uh, distracting Aubrey because they jumped on the apron and whatnot. Yeah, like I, I was not expecting a lot from this match. And I and I and I thought it was is you know up there with one of the better matches of the night. Yeah, and I know what you're saying about Isaiah Cassidy, and you know he's had his moments of um, I don't want to say weaknesses, but uh, you know he should he has shown in the past that he does need a lot of work, and this was a really clean outing from from Isaiah Cassidy. Um, should be mentioned, Mark Quinn was not out there with everybody. Thought this was a little weird. I don't know what's going on there. Was he injured during that no surrender match? I haven't seen him since. He wasn't on BTE. You know, where where's Mark Quinn? If you guys know, let us know. Um so after the match, as you know, Matt Hardy is, is or sorry, Hangman Adam Page is somewhat celebrating with uh Silver and Reynolds. We hear Matt Hardy's Matt Hardy's voice come on the PA, and uh he's basically threatening to punish everybody in dark order for you know silver and reynolds getting involved and we don't have to wait to see what happens as he drags alan angels out from the back um obviously beaten up roughed up a little bit matt hardy tears uh five's shirt off and then proceeds to throw him off the stage down through the timekeeper's table this is a really cool spot Silver and Reynolds chase Hardy down the tunnel um, before coming to check on their Dark Order brethren. Um, I thought this was a cool spot. Uh, to me, this is just building and building and building towards some more Hangman Dark Order stuff. I thought this was cool. Yeah, we're definitely now kind of wondering, like, is 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 there a chance? Like, we go from... There might be a chance to, there's no chance. And now I'm back to, is there a chance again that Hangman might be a part of Dark Order? Um, they just keep coming back. Um, I don't know what to say here. I I, I think it will go either way. I'll, I'm going to stick to that. I like Hangman by himself. But if they choose to go this Dark Order route, I th I think he could do it. If anyone's going to able to be flexible enough and make sense i i think it's adam page good point good point uh from there we get a quick segment alex marvez chasing down kenny omega like he has been the last few weeks uh here we get kenny omega in in some kind of workspace kind of a workshop he's building something this whole spot i mean again much like the spot we saw the week before with the reading the the Young Bucks book to the kids. It, it's awkward. It, it's kind of lame. It's not really entertaining. It really sucks the wind out of the whole episode. But really, it's just there um, specifically to tease that Kenny's building something, you know, to, to really take out John Moxley. So, I don't know. I, as, as, as sucky as a moment it was, or as sucky as a segment it was, 
I can't help myself but being intrigued and, and, and all right, well, what's he making? Like, I can tell by what he's working on on the table, he ain't making nothing. He's hitting a piece of metal with a hammer, but they're obviously teasing for a reason. What's he gonna, what's he gonna bring? You know, when we think about the death match, the unsanctioned death match we saw at, um, was it full gear last year? Yeah, it was full gear last year. Um, 2019 that is we got to see that barbed wire bed that was insane how do they one up that so i'm excited it's the same thing but it explodes that's what they do <laughs> yeah it's a good point uh, the, the oddest part of this segment for me was the two dudes in the back <laughs> which i don't think were anderson and uh gallows no, no definitely not but about halfway through the segment, they start running saws, and now you cannot hear Kenny Omega very well. You can't hear Dodd Callis. Things must have not been mic'd up properly, or the dudes in the back didn't know that they shouldn't be doing that. Maybe maybe they were just supposed to make saw noises with their mouth. But anyways, they had the saws actually go- <laughs> they They had the saws actually going... I apologize. I just watched you take a sip of that <laughs> that beer. And I, <laughs> it's okay. I survived. Yeah, My computer um, is safe. Yeah, it was just I. It was awkward. It's already awkward, and then you're gonna throw that in there. It was. They shouldn't have done that segment. Yeah, it wasn't good. No, these these Kenny segments are getting they're they're progressively getting worse. But for some reason, I still find myself more and more excited about this match. Uh, from there, we get uh, a quick review of what happened Monday on the, uh, AEW women's world championship eliminator tournament. Uh, this was a lot of moments from round two of the Japanese side. We got a couple of round one matches from the American side. If you guys didn't get to see this, um, I mean, essentially just a quick little special. We had four really uh, awesome matches in, in this women's tournament. Uh, it started off with Nyla Rose defeating Ty Conte, uh, Yuka Sakazaki defeating Emi Sakura. This was a really awesome match. I, I suggest going to watch it. This is, uh, you know, master versus apprentice, if you will, style story as Emi Sakura was is the real life, you know, trainer and mentor to Yuka. So this was a really great match. And then another another decent match, uh, Rio Mizunami defeating Aja Khan. Uh, this one was a little weird. It, it, it got a little, it got a little theatric for me, but it was a still very entertaining match. Um, and then, you know, the big news coming out of this, out of this story is that, uh, Anna J suffering an injury during, during training, um, re-injuring her shoulder. I believe she is injured before, um, in the past out for six to 12 months, um, essentially losing her spot in the tournament. Uh, just quickly before we talk about uh, the replacement, uh, what do you think of Anna Jay being injured here? I, I think that's a, a real sucky blow to the women's roster and, and to a young upstart you know, star in the making. This, this sucks. It's one of the saddest days of my life. I'm considering s- s- not watching wrestling anymore. Stop that. Come on. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> no, it, it really it really sucks because I feel like she didn't even really get to break out in Dark Order yet. And she was headed for good things. 
I have to think that that she wouldn't have maybe not won this. I think that could have that could have worked here for Anna J, uh, defeating Britt Baker, um, and then obviously having to maybe possibly make that change to what the result of this was all going to be because of this. Uh, yeah, I think it just it, it sucks for the roster. The women's r roster hasn't had a good year with the pandemic and and a lot of these superstars not being able to compete. Anna Jay's been one of the ones kind of leading it, and then for her to go out, it's just a, it's a huge blow. Uh, so Anna Jay being replaced by Maddie Renkowski, which is um was an interesting choice of a replacement. I think it was a premeditated choice. I mean, they they had a story in mind very quickly uh, as this was kind of an un off the cuff type replacement but maddie being um an apprentice if you will of thunder rosa which totally ties into thunder rosa's uh history with Britt baker and they continued that with the way Britt just absolutely disrespects maddie during this match it was it was interesting to see ultimately uh of course Britt baker defeating the the rookie and maddie um but I, I thought that was a smart choice and, and the way they presented it, 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 it made something out of nothing when you lose kind of your, your shining star, if you, if you will. Yeah. And at the end of this match, they take a marker and, and totally draw all over oh, Maddie's right. face, kind of simulating the face paint of Thunder Rosa, which is kind of just another kind of slap in the face. Um, Yeah. I'm looking for, for these two ladies getting together, I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a barn burner. It's not over. Yet. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, out of these four matches, the uh, Yuka and Emmy match was was probably the best one. And I just want to say, I am all for a heel Emmy Sakura. Her her gimmick now is awesome. I can't wait until she is back. And um, she's kind of shed that Freddie Mercury style gimmick to a, a more of a kind of a queen type of of heel gimmick, and it, it, that's going to be good going forward. That's a really good uh, good point that you brought up there, Emmy. After losing to Yuka, kind of quickly turning the tables and just just attacking Yuka. She actually had a couple of the young girls with her uh, join in on this attack. Uh, Shida, who was there over in Japan helping out with Japanese commentary, actually throws down the headset and, and joins into the ring, which I thought was really cool. This all leading to uh, an impromptu match, if you will. As we see next Monday, we're going to get uh, the Japanese final. We're going to get a couple more round two matches. Uh, from the American side, but we're also going to get this six woman tag match as, um, you know, Sheeta's going to team up with some of the girls we saw earlier. I think she's with, um, that, um, uh, Mito girl. I can't even remember their names. Vinny's going to be in there and, and, uh, against Emmy and, and some of the other, um, 
I, I believe it's the two young girls that that helped her attack. So that'll be an interesting matchup and just add a little bit to these these cool little specials that we've been seeing every Monday. It'll be really interesting to see Sheeta with these ladies where there's you know going to be really good communication. Mm. and the style that she's probably very used to. She's probably wrestled with these ladies in the past as well. So it'll be good to see Sheeta back in that element. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. All right, this leads us into the next matchup. Uh, this is a round two matchup of the AEW Women's uh, Eliminator Tournament. Dr. Britt Baker going up against the native beast Nyla Rose. This was this was a, actually a really solid match. I enjoyed this. I I like uh Brit I, I don't want to say getting back into the the pure heel, but embracing it even more. You know, the, right at the beginning of the match, things aren't really going her way. She just leaves, takes a walk, she, she takes a powder if you will, you know, kind of recollects herself and then and then kind of gets the surprise attacking, gets control. I thought they told an awesome, awesome story um, in this match because, you know, Britt is very, very close to winning this match, getting the the much bigger Nyla Rose almost into the into the lockjaw. And I think that's where this whole story was really about was can the smaller Britt Baker get that lockjaw locked in? They teased it four or five times, but um you know, ultimately Nyla with the power, we're finally getting to see that power behind Nyla, Nyla Rose, and uh, she fights her way out of it and gets a big beast bomb for the win. Um, I enjoyed this match from start to finish. This was really, really good. Yeah, I, I totally like this match as well. And I, and I was a bit apprehensive at the beginning because, you know, we've seen Nyla and Britt together before. And yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, it wasn't what it should be out of these these two competitors, but this one definitely lived up to their talents. Like you said, Britt Baker really leaned into the whole heel. She really reminded me of like WCW Jericho. Mm. You know, where he was like the man of a million holds and you know, he wouldn't finish the match, he'd just walk away, that kind of stuff. Um I think we what we're seeing here is a lot of Jericho influence on Britt Baker. Uh, I'm just making that up. I I just feel like like she's probably asking him for feedback and whatnot, and this is probably one that he told her. But uh, yeah, just um, a really good story they told here. That uh, that false finish at the end was crazy false finish of the year i would say but in the end nyla taking this one i was a little bit surprised but uh pleasantly surprised because man it would really if it hasn't already taken a hit on nyla rose to drop all of those losses i think this another one might just kill her character completely and she really really needed this one and and brit doesn't brit it's gonna be brit anyways so yeah, Nyla takes this one. I think it's a good choice. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, that first beast bomb and, and Brit kicking out of it, I could not believe it. I popped so hard for that. 
it completely surprised me. I thought the match was over. And then we actually go, what, like another minute and a half, maybe two minutes after this amazing false finish. It was real. It was really good. The whole match was really good. I suggest everybody go back and, and watch it again. But that leads us into our main event of the evening. Uh, we have Ray Phoenix going up against the Murder Hawk monster, Lance Archer. We saw a quick little uh, spot at the beginning of the show or near the beginning of the show of these two talking in the back. Um, I believe it was Marvez or uh, Alex um, Abraham Abrahentes was uh, talking with them, uh, you know, complimenting on their on their tag team victories they, they've they've been a part of a couple six-man tags where they've gotten the win you guys seem to be working together really well you know and then you know archer talks a little bit uh talks down to ray phoenix a little bit ray phoenix uh in in spanish uh says some not so pleasant things about lance archer we get a little bit of a scuffle this leads into this matchup tonight as the winner will join the face of the revolution ladder match uh at revolution so there's a lot on the line there's a tnt title shot essentially on the line out of this match and honestly i can't believe this match went as long as it did i didn't really i wasn't really paying attention to the time um but it it was we had to been 20 minutes into this match and i'm like this is still going and realizing we still had you know, five or six minutes left. So it, this isn't the first time that we've seen these kind of extended, extended main events that are, are lasting 20, 25 minutes long. Um, these two absolutely took full advantage of the time they were given. This was bell to bell action. There was no drop in the headlock, holding it for two minutes. Let's catch our breaths. This was, pedal to the metal and uh you know credit credit to lance archer for keeping up with phoenix and credit to phoenix for you know taking the beating and and keep keep going against the bigger the much much bigger lance archer this match was freaking amazing yeah i want to say these guys uh the uh entrance was at uh, the hour and a half mark so yeah they would have had a, a solid solid 20 plus minutes for this match and it went right till the very end um i agree with everything that you said uh you know this is one of my favorite lance archer matches that he's been involved in uh i'm always gonna love a ray phoenix match the guy to me is is flawless and he was flawless in this and yeah i love this match and probably what i love the most was that it didn't end up being the typical i'm gonna take take um the the mask off you know like it seems like when we have a lucha in a match it, it sort of seems to be all about the mask there was a bit of a tease there and i was i cringed for a second but then they they didn't go back to it again he kind of he kind of just uh, rakes at his face instead of pretending to tear the mask off. Right. They did it just a little differently. Yeah, yeah. I just I feel like feel like it's been done, and that kind of match needs to be reserved for something more important. You know, like a pay per view, a, a really yeah, you know, bloody feud, and, and that's not what what this is. These guys are like friends. 
I mean, at the end of this, they're they're fist bumping. So yeah, just a a great way to end this show. We had some unbelievable spots in this match. Um, the one that really pops out to me was uh, Phoenix hitting the Spanish Fly. Um, just Archer having the agility to pull that move off is one of the cleanest. And and you don't expect someone of Lance Archer's stature. What is he like six 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 seven? And, and being able to hit that clean of a front flip off the top rope, um, Phoenix does not have a lot of mass to help Archer spin around as they're you know locked together. But honestly, that was a really really clean Spanish fly, probably one of the cleanest we've seen in AEW so far. Sammy, Sammy's hit a couple clean ones too with Darby and stuff like that, but that was an unbelievable spot. Yeah, it totally was. You'd never expect a guy of that stature to be able to do a move like that and do it as well. Like it, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, I really, as you're talking there, I'm thinking like Lance Archer could be what maybe Brock Lesnar could have been or a, a better Brock Lesnar. Because he's big, you give this guy the belt, he has it forever, he's indestructible, but can also wrestle and has the mouthpiece. Like it's, it could just be Brock Lesnar plus plus. Give this guy the belt at some point and it, it's going to be good TV. So Lance Archer takes the win here. Um, and, and I like how you have it in the notes here. The cleanest blackout ever. And and we, we got to talk about that. Phoenix just posing for this blackout. He, uh, I think you you made the reference to um, it almost looking like a swanton bomb from Jeff Hardy. You know, it was very delayed. I didn't think he was gonna get his chin tucked in time. I thought the I thought the kid's neck was broken, but um, you know, a little theatrical. But I think it worked with uh, the spectacle of the entire match as a whole. I br- I bring I bring it up because this match truly reminded me of a match I've seen before on on SmackDown on the Vanilla brand many many years ago being The Undertaker versus Jeff Hardy very similar you know elements Undertaker being the bigger guy uh Jeff Hardy being the smaller guy more high flyer they worked really well together you know, they have an amazing match. I, I believe it was one of the front runners for match of the year. Not even, uh, you know, being on a SmackDown, it wasn't even on a pay-per-view. It led to one of the better feuds of that year. Um, but we get that we get that show of respect at the end of the match as Undertaker gets the win. He kind of just stands aback and and just like, good job, kid. You killed it. He helped them up shook his hand you know that's that that was around the time where you know wrestling the undertaker will make you famous uh taglines that the commentators were doing like that's when jeff hardy really broke out as a singles competitor and we get a similar situation here with lance and and phoenix it was a it was a cutthroat match everybody got their stuff in it was it was high flying it was hard hitting the bigger guy ultimately gets the win, but there's a moment where Lance steps back, doesn't pick him up, but I mean, he, he acknowledges it. 
they do a fist bump. There's that show of respect. And, you know, it just, I couldn't help but be reminded of that situation. That was an awesome moment. Yeah. Did it seem to you like, like Ray Phoenix didn't really know what Lance Archer was trying to do there at the end? I I, I think it waved him off and. I think it caught him off guard. Yeah. But it was a good moment. It was a good moment. (laughs) Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome stuff. So yeah. Great, great show. Um, I'm concerned about next week. As I mentioned at the, at the top of the, at the top of the segment, I'm I'm concerned for next week. It's going to be hard to match this. I think if this was the go home show, we're going into revolution, um, you know, with fire and, and and veracity, I I think it's going to be a great pay-per-view. I hope, I hope they bring it on, on, uh, March 3rd. We, we got a couple of big matches on, on the docket. We have the Shaq, Jade versus um, Cody and Red Velvet. That'll be an interesting match. Um, let's quickly talk about it. During that promo, JR picks Shaq and Jade. What, like, what's going on, JR? You're supposed to be the, the wrestling guy. I had the, I had the wireless headphones on, and uh, I had to run upstairs to to get some supper and I almost dropped the plate. <laughs> um, I, I, I came back down and I said, man, that must've been hard for him to say. It had to have been. Cause I don't know. I, I, I don't see how Jr. being in the business that long could pick Shaq and a wrestler. No one has seen over Cody and red velvet. That's true. But sure. someone has to pick him, right? So someone has to build this up, and I guess there's no better person than Jr. to do that. But that must have, that must have hurt his feelings. It makes me wonder what uh, our old buddy James Corvette has to say. Uh, James, are, are are you on the line? Who do you think is going to win the match of Shaq and Jade versus Cody and Red Velvet? I've, it's- it doesn't matter what you think. All right, thanks for joining us, James. We'll catch you next time. With that being said, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. If you are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, whichever podcast platform you are on, make sure you're subscribed. Leave those five-star ratings, and we'll catch you all next week. Up, guys out. <laughs>